All right, if you would, James, thank you, sir. Turn the light on for us. If you need a Bible, grab a Bible. We are in Luke. We're going to be, uh, I, th- I think I said we're in the end of chapter 9, but we're actually in chapter 10. So Luke chapter 10, we are going to be looking at verses 25 through 37. And I hope you're ready. Like You're ready to scream today for the Broncos. Uh, I hope you're, you're ready to just get blasted today at Church Project. This, wow, the verses that I, that I want to read are incredible. The, these, these are incredible. Uh, I, I sat down with this and I'm like, God, what? do I do? And all week I've been going through this. My grandpa and I, you know, we get to sit and talk about the verses. We talked about this, this section of verses a couple weeks ago and it just, it just blew me away. Uh, and this whole week I've been, I've been reading through these verses saying, God, what direction should we go? Like we could go about a thousand directions and directions in this message today. So I, I say it every week and I mean it. I'm going to say it again today. What spews out of my mouth today, I've, I've prayed over like this is good truth that comes out of my mouth but by no means is this exhaustive go home pick up your bible start reading it chewing it up like there's so much in here this this passage that i read this week helped me come alive and i believe it'll do the same thing for you as well and so with that being said i hope your pen is warmed up i hope your heart is ready because we're jumping in grab your bible go to luke chapter 10 we're going to read verses 25 through 37 Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 37. On one occasion, an expert of the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. Verse 29. But he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road. And when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return I will reimburse you for any extra expenses you may have. Which of these do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert of the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, Go and do likewise. Should we start now? You want to start picking this apart? You want to start looking at this? I'm telling you, this is such a beautiful passage. And and I want to ask you, even as we just read through this, did you see God's face in this? Can you hear His love as He's talking? Jesus today wants to show you who He is. He wants to. He wants to show you how much He loves you today. 
And he wants to show us what our lives look like when we focus our life after him. So let's go. Let's go to verse 25 and we'll just start flying through this thing. Um, On one occasion, an expert of the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? I think what's really funny, if you look back just a couple verses, a couple weeks ago, we talked about in verse 21. You can go ahead and look back in verse 21, just a few verses ago. And Jesus says, God, thank you for not letting this truth of God be known to the experts, the wise people, the men, but to the children. Thank you, God, that, that you are revealing this self, yourself to the, to the people that actually want to know who you are. Look at that in verse 21. Pretty cool. Then we, then we land in verse 25, and right here it says that an expert of the, law, of the law, a lawyer stood up, a pastor, a professional stood up and says, Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Here's the deal. His question was not sincere. His question was not sincere. This is an expert of the law. This is, this is the professional. And his teacher, or the, he, his question was not sincere. He, he merely was asking Jesus this question to justify his own actions and his own thoughts. Like, he had Jesus there. He knows everything about the law. He, he's an expert of the law. And along comes Jesus, and he asks him this fake question. What must I do to inherit the kingdom of God? I try to get my sarcastic voice on. What must I do to inherit the kingdom of God? You know, rubbing your beard and whatnot. And Jesus knows this, and, 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 he, and he says, what does the word say? We'll look at that in a minute. But, but I want to ask you this. What must I do to inherit the kingdom of God? He's trying to justify himself. He's, he's already learned all sorts of stuff, but the love of God hasn't penetrated his heart yet. He's an expert of the law, but he just knows. He doesn't have a relationship with Jesus Christ that's life-changing. We do something here at Church Project, and this is all like theological terms, and just go with me on this. When we go through verses, we're going through expository teaching, and that's what we do at Church Project. We've been going through Luke from, from January. We've been walking through the verses. It's called verse-by-verse expository. There's a couple ways that, that you can go about reading Scripture, and one of them is, is called exegesis, Okay. Fancy, right? Exegesis. And, and what that means is that we, we look at Scripture and we ask God to show Himself through Scripture. And exegesis means to actually to lead out. And so when we're reading the Scripture in exegesis style, it means to lead out. That we're, we're going into it saying, God, show me what your Scripture is saying and teaching. That's awesome. Exegesis. That's what we do, hopefully. There's another kind of teaching... And it's called isogesis. And isogesis means we lead into. That's what isogesis means. We lead into. So when we open up our Bibles, we say, I've been a Christian for 30 years, God. Isogesis teaching would say, I know, I know what you already said, but I'm going to back it up somehow. And so I'm going to go find scripture and I'm going to lead into it. Like my, my perception, my understanding, I'm going to back it up by scripture. Does this make sense? Oftentimes we find Jesus teaching and when, when we go and, and we uh, do teaching from the pulpit in churches where we're talking about topics. And we jump around from verse to verse to verse. And I just, I just can't do that. I'm not smart enough to explain the context of every verse. And so at Church Project, we're going through, we're doing expository exegesis teaching where we're going to it as empty vessels saying, God, show me what's in your word. We may read a verse 20 times in our life and suddenly the 
21st time when we read it, God leads out. He exits Jesus. He shows himself to us truth that's absolutely beautiful. And so this, this professional, this teacher, the expert of the law comes to Jesus. He knows everything about it. And he asks this fake question to Jesus. What must I do to inherit the kingdom of God, eternal life? Sorry, I, I won't do that anymore. <laughs> You're, that was so, what was that? That was a bet. I bet him he wouldn't ring a cowbell. And he did it kind of fake. You should have sold out, bro. You should have went for it. (laughs) You're not done? Oh, okay. All right. There's a long story about that. Anyways, let's move on. I I want to ask us a question. Are we letting his word transform our lives? Pure and simple. Are we letting the word of God transform our lives? Or are we just experts of the law, asking God fake questions and really wanting, not even wanting to know the truth? Like we're going to scripture saying, God, how can I back up what I already think is right? No. That's not how we let the scripture transform our lives. This is a good one. Allie, sorry. This is a good, this is a good message. I'm sorry. This is good. Let's keep going. Verse 25. Let's go to verse 26. Here's my new counseling method, by the way. I, don't, I can't do counseling because I'm not a licensed counselor, but this is new, my new method of showing Scripture to people. Uh, and here it is, verse 26. Jesus says, well, great question, wise man, all knowledgeable teacher and expert. What is written in the law? Jesus is asking this guy, what is written in the law? And he replied, how do you read it? Then there's a reply here in a minute. But, but look at this. My, my new form of counseling, what does Scripture say about this? If you, if you come to me, and I just, I don't have a soft heart. I'm sorry. I do for a little while, but then I just get bitter at you and write you off. And so don't ever come to me for counseling. It's, it's the way to do it. This, this is what I'll say. You don't like honesty, do you? That was a cowbell moment, Chad, right? There was a cowbell moment, right? You're like, no. Honestly, though... What, what good are my words? What, what good are my words? My, my words are temporary. And, and they, they may be based, hopefully they're based off of Scripture. But one of the things I'm trying to do more and more and more when I sit down with people that are going through things in life. I mean, they're, they're struggling through things in life. My words are good and, and I can be encouraging. It's one of my spiritual gifts is encouragement. Um, but how powerful is it to say, hey, you that are struggling through something, what does the Bible say about this? And have you yourself wrestled through this? Or you come into Aaron as like the personal like expert of the law who can tell you everything. I can help you and I can show you some things. But how awesome is it if you yourself get to open up the word of God, go through it and find the answers and you pray about it. So try this. Try this when, when, when you're having family members or friends that are going through things. Um, instead of just jumping in and being all knowledgeable and all wise, say, have you prayed about this? What does the Bible say about this? We don't need to continually bottle feed people. We can help people and we can lead people. But to, but to ask them to feed themselves? Awesome. And Jesus shows us this. He goes, okay, wise man, what does the Bible say? What does the law say? And, and this guy replies with the exact right answer. He, repri- he replies with exactly what, what Jesus wants to talk about. Here's what I think. No. I'll say it more bold than that. Here's what I know. God's word does not return void. God's word is strong. God's word changes. It is powerful. I mean, it is awesome. To the degree where if you show me someone who's neglecting scripture, 
I'll show you someone that's near to or about to fall into the throes of despair and chaos and ruin and they're going to be confused and their life will be bland and meaningless and flavorless. If you and I are neglecting scripture in our life, we're in serious trouble. So, are you? Are you reading scripture? If the answer to this was, yeah, last Sunday I read scripture, wrong. Are you reading scripture? We got to have it daily. We got to be putting it in daily. We got to focus on who God is. His word is transforming. It's life giving. We can't go without it. I encourage you church. The reason we go through exegesis. The reason we do expository teaching. Is to hopefully teach us all of us. The church. How to go through scripture. And how to dissect it. And how to learn. And how to grow. Because one day. None of us will be around you. When you're going through bad stuff. Only Jesus will stay with you. And to be able to dive into his word and know it's life changing is powerful. So don't be sitting here right now and feel bad about I haven't picked up my Bible and opened it in three days. You could beat yourself up over that. I don't even know where my Bible's at. Okay? Don't do that. Okay? Stop. This is a new day. You can be renewed in Christ today. Be encouraged today because his word is life changing. You can start fresh today right now. Go find your Bible. If you don't have one, yeah, that's a cowbell moment. Kip, where's your cowbell? If you don't have a Bible, steal one of ours. It's our gift. Take it. Get it. Memorize it. Love it because it is beautiful. It's up to you and I if we're reading God's Word, if we're treasuring it, if we're digging, digging deep in for the meaning of it, or if we're just superficially jumping in saying, God, I don't know. You know I'll read your Bible today. Here's a couple suggestions if, if you need to shake up your Bible reading a little bit. How many of you have a phone, a smartphone or whatever? Okay, a lot of you do. Here's a couple apps that I have on my phone. Version app, a great app. Just download it. It's free. You can help read the, it helps you read the Bible. There's, there's reading plans, so you can read all sorts of reading plans. Like, I want to read through it in a year. Or, I want to read through it through the eyes of a dad or I mean there's there's tons it's brilliant the version app is free another app I have on my Bible is the blue letter Bible um, that's a great Bible it, it can it gives you Greek and all sorts of stuff and it can read it to you hint it can read it to you I love that one um, I think version does that as well um, another one I have on my Bible is Logos or Logos depends how you say it L-O-G-O-S means the word and that's a beautiful one it has commentaries on it as well all these are free there's no reason that we shouldn't be digging into God's word I mean we have it on our phones we have a thousand copies of the Bible all around us they're free today take one there's people around the world that don't have the word of God they don't have this access are you reading it on purpose it's life changing. Or you're just memorizing it. Or you're just an expert of the law and it's not affecting your life. What is in the Bible and how do you read it? And the question is, do you? Are you? Are you reading the Bible? Okay, let's jump off of that. Let's go to verse 27. Verse 27. He answered, because Jesus asked him, what's in the Bible? The professional says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul. I'm going to say this wrong because I've memorized it in a different version. So, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. Verse 28, Jesus says, You have answered correctly. Jesus replied, Do this and you will live. But 
He wanted to justify himself. And he asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? I want to hit pause right here because this is why this, this, I wrestled with this scripture so much. The passage that we're going through right now is one of the central focuses of the entire Bible is this verse right here. Like, like love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. It's one of the central, if not the central focus of the entire Bible. I mean, it is life-changing stuff right there. However, when I look at this passage of Scripture, it may not necessarily be the central point of even this teaching that we're going through here today. So, I know it's a little confusing, but just know that this is a central point of the Bible, but in this passage, this may not be the central point of what Jesus is trying to say right here. See, Jesus meets this man where he's at. If you look at his answer, and you look at his second question, the man says this. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, or whatever that says right there. And, and, and then he says, the second part is, and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus says, you, you've answered correctly. And then Jesus says, do this. Which, if you're into sentence structure, I'll throw this out. It's a, it's a present imperative. Which means, as a Christian, we're to continually, it's the nature of a, of a Christian to continually do this. It's not an action that we did once, or we'll do once in the future. But Jesus says, do this continually. Continually love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor. And then the man replies with this. I want to justify himself, and he said, who's my neighbor? So, get this. Jesus says, what does the law say? The man says, love the Lord of God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love my neighbor as myself. And Jesus says, good, do this. And the guy says, well, I have a question. Who is my neighbor? He skips the most important thing. He skips the whole first part of love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And he goes right to the action of, well, who is my neighbor? Because already he's an expert of the law. Already, he knows God. He has a relationship with God. And so that's fundamental. Like, that's, that's just menial over here. Like, that's just over here. And he jumps already into the action point of, well, who is my neighbor, God? Because I love you with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. Like, he skips the most fundamental, most life-changing part of that whole sentence. Jesus is standing there saying, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and by the way love your neighbor as yourself and he skips that whole first part the personal relationship part because he's got that down do you have that down? do I have that down? Oh, we're good at skipping to the next parts the rules the regulations the how do we do this and that's that's what the professional man asks he goes great God I have a great vibrant relationship with you so I won't ask on that I am going to ask who is my neighbor? <laughs> Who is my neighbor? Then we, then we get into it, the, the little parable right here. It depends upon how you view the Bible. Some people say this is a, a fictional like parable that God comes up with on the spot. Jesus comes up with on the spot. Some say, no, this literally happened. So view it however you want. But the, the meaning is exactly the same. And let, let's, let's go through this parable. We're going to go through it really fast here. Because it, it drives us to the central point of what I think Jesus is trying to show us today in 2014. I almost said 2013. So... The parable starts in, in verse 30. He says, Then replied, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. And if you're into maps, literally, you have to go down from, from Jerusalem. Jerusalem is about 2,500 feet. Jericho is about 800 feet below sea level. There's about 17 miles difference between Jerusalem and Jericho. So literally, 
going down from Jerusalem uh, to Jericho. When, when he was attacked by robbers, they stripped him of his clothes, they beat him, they went away leaving him half dead. A priest comes by, oh good for you priest. A priest comes by, a pastor, a professional guy, comes by going down the same road and he sees the man, he passes by on the other side of the road. Then to a Levite, when, when he came into the place and saw, passed by on the other side of the road. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came to where the man was, and when he saw him, took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring, oil, uh, pouring on oil and wine. Then put, put him on his donkey, took him to an inn, gave the innkeeper a lot of money. Like, so what do we see here? We see three people that encounter him. So whether you see this as fictional or whether you see this as actual, it's still the same thing. A priest comes by. He's on his way. The professional comes by. He's on his way. And he's probably on his way to do important duties in the temple. Like, he's going to go do incredible things in the temple. He's going to show people God in the temple. Like, he's, he's the holy man. He's, he's set aside. And, oh yeah, by the way, priests can't touch dead things. They'll become unclean. And so, he notices this guy that could be dead, could be half dead. But he's like, sorry, bro. I mean, I'm on my way to the temple to do some pretty life-changing things, to tell people the love of God, to show them. I'm, I'm going to go speak about God over here. So you just go ahead and die on the side of the road. I don't have time for you. Oh. <laughs> Are we priests sometimes? Are we so focused on there and what there is that we're missing here? The priest did. He completely missed what was right in front of him. My plans today, and I've got good plans today and tomorrow. I'm very good at scheduling stuff out. But dang it, sometimes my phone rings. And it throws everything off. Or sometimes God will lead me in a different direction or something will happen and it will throw your day off. Have you ever been in the perfect day where you're just, you're, you're kicking butt and getting things done and all of a sudden a sidetrack comes or you notice someone in need or someone needs help or something. Anyone been there? Where it's like you're torn between helping and you're torn between getting your to-do list done or the big task that God has for you. I was thinking today, this is just going to be like God. As I'm driving into church project today, I'm going to see someone in need. And I'm going to be like, but there's people waiting for me, God. What do I do? You know, what, do we, what do we do? Sometimes we, we take it so serious that we miss what's right there. Are we missing what's right there in our life? The priest did. He missed what was right there. <laughs> then along comes this Levite. And a Levite, Levites, they're there to assist the priests. They're like assistant pastors. They're, you know, they're still professional. They're there to assist. And the Levite comes, but he notices the guy and goes on the other side of the road and keeps walking, does the exact same thing. Neither the priest nor the Levite displayed the love for God or their neighbor in that moment. I don't care how much you say you love God and you know God. If you see pain in the world and you see death in the world and you don't inject life into it, do you really know the love of God? And are you really loving neighbor as yourself? What would you want done if you were half dead on the side of the road? Do you want a priest walking by you? Would you want anyone walking by you? Then along comes a Samaritan. By the way, Jews, Samaritans hated each other. By the way, along comes your enemy. Today, there's still tension. There's still tension in, in, in between Israel and Palestine. They, they both 
parties think that they're the rightful owners of that land. There's still tension between Jews and Gentile. And here we see the Samaritan comes along. The enemy comes along. And once again, we see scripture come alive here. And because the scripture says in multiple places, the last will be first and the first will be last. We see an enemy loving right here in Luke 6, 5. We just went through that a little while ago. It says, oh yeah, by the way, we're, not, we're supposed to love our enemies. Church, are we loving our enemies? How has Christ loved us? And we should love our enemies, the people around us, the people on the side of the road, our neighbors, whoever they may be. That's how we are supposed to love. Okay, are you with me? Chad Cowbell it, dude. Ray was yawning. Not true. Okay. So we're there. I want to kind of paint a picture as we go into verse 36 and 37 here. Let's, let's read this. Which of, these, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The expert of the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Notice, he hates the Samaritan so much he can't even say the, what you should say at that moment. He should say the easy answer of the Samaritan. He couldn't even get the Samaritan word out. I mean, that's how much is right there. He goes, ah, the guy that had mercy on him, the Samaritan. He won't even say it. And Jesus told him, go and do likewise. End of story. Done deal. That's it. We find there, look in verse 29. A question is asked. Who is my neighbor? And when that question is asked... What he's saying is, what qualifies a person enough to be my neighbor so that I can go love him? That, that's what this guy's asking. He's saying, who is my neighbor? As in, what, what is this guy doing so much uh, that proves that he's my neighbor so I can go and love him? That's the wrong question from the very beginning. Look at the question, the reverse, the right way that the question comes about. And it comes about down in verse 36. And he says, which of these do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? And Jesus takes that wrong question, which says, who can prove that they're my neighbor so I can go love them? Up in 29. And in verse 36, the question then becomes, what must I do to be a loving neighbor? Removes the action away from that neighbor, proving that they're your neighbor so you can go love them. The fundamental part of this whole passage is, are you loving your neighbor? Regardless of what your neighbor's doing, are you loving your neighbor? A neighbor is anyone that I I come in contact with, who we come across, that is in need. Anyone, anywhere, this Jew is having a hard time because the law said your neighbor was literally the other Jewish people. He wasn't getting it. Jesus is transforming everything, saying, yeah, sure, technically that is your neighbor because he has zip code right next to you, but it's so much beyond that. The neighbor is your world at large. It's humans at large and everyone you come in contact with and everyone that you meet. I know this is a bad illustration, but how many of you have seen this terrible movie that I'm not saying you should go see called Meet the Parents? Meet the Parents. There's a point in this movie when he goes, you're in my circle of trust and once you're in it, it's awesome, but outside it, you don't exist, right? And this is is in essence what what, what this guy, the, the professional guy, can't get in his mind that he thinks my neighbor is this. 
And Jesus is saying, oh no, sorry son, brother, I'm going to school you. Your neighbor is the world at large. The people that you come in contact with and the people that you see, that is your neighbor. See, the, the lawyer was using the gospel to jockey himself for position. He already believed that he had the strongest relationship with God and he was trying to prove to Jesus that he was right. He was going at scripture wrong and Jesus twisted it and said, why are you asking questions about what others should do to prove that they're your neighbors so you can love them? When the question really should be, how are you being a neighbor and how are you loving them? All right, here's a couple verses for you. Galatians 5, 6. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Are you loving others? James 2.17 says this, In the same way, faith by itself, if not accompanied by action, is dead. What do you think that means? Was it ever really faith? Was it ever really alive in you? We cannot have a righteous relationship with God to the exclusion of others. We cannot. The Bible is clear. One of the fundamental things of the Bible is love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. Church, are we doing this? If we want to look at it right now and how this affects us today, just look at it like this because this is the absolute truth. If you don't get anything, listen to this. This is the absolute truth. We are robbed. You are robbed. We are stripped. We are beaten. We're laying on the side of the road. We are wounded humans and we're unable to help ourselves. We are that man, that woman that got beat up on that road and we have been left for dead because Satan has come and been coming after us our whole life and he wants to kill, steal, and destroy. He hates us and he likes to steal all our stuff and leave us for dead on the side of the road. Have you ever felt like that? Have you ever felt deceived? Have you ever felt like Satan is coming after you with full punches right to the face and right to the stomach. That's what Satan wants to do. That is us. This parable is us. We're on the side of the road. We're dead. We're beaten and there's nothing that we can do about it. And then along comes the law of Moses. The law. And judges us. The priest better than you. And still leaves us there dead on the side of the road. Then along comes Jesus. The grace and the love of Jesus. And he comes and he heals. And he loves. That's the Jesus that I want to serve. That's the God that I want. The one that gives us freedom and love and joy and rescues us from death. Psalms 147.3 is a verse that you need to hang on to this week. I promise you this. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Can you sit on that for a second? None of us are perfect. We've all been beat up. We've all done things separate from God. And we're on the side of the road, beat up. And Jesus comes along and he heals the brokenhearted and he binds up their wounds. What wounds do you have today? What's going on inside you today? 
What's going on in your mind today? What's going on in your heart? I'm going to ask us, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to stop right here. I think this is a good sp- spot to stop. If you would, just close your Bibles. This is the moment where God can, can really transform you. Like he can encourage you. More than any words that I've been spewing today, His Spirit can encourage you. And I want to pray in this moment that, that He does so. Can you be honest with God? Just, just close your eyes. Just sit still for a minute. Is the Word of God transforming your life? Just ask yourself this. Is the Word of God transforming your life? That's a pretty easy question. If you have to think about whether it is, it's not. In this place today, just just talk with God. Maybe even just hold out your hands in front of you and, and, and say, God, I receive anything you want to show me today. Like, I'm yours, God. Please let your Holy Spirit teach me and show you who you are. And if you find yourself in a spot where you're saying, I haven't even read my Bible forever. I don't know what the Word of God says. Just say, God, please give me the desire to read your Word. Just talk to Him right now about that. If you and I are not alive in who He is... We can't love other people. I mean, sure, we might go and do some cool social justice kind of things and feed people, and that's great, that's wonderful. But if we're not alive in who God is, ourselves personally, if we haven't just come to realize that we were the ones beaten up and God came and loved us, gave everything He had, gave the the oil gave the wine, the, the denarii, his donkey, and paid extra. Like that's, that's what God has done for our life, taken us from the, the pit of death and given us life, brought us back to life. Are you alive in who he is? Some of us today, we need to just say, God, I, I want to fall more in love with you. I need to focus on you more, God. Here's my life. Just, here's my life. I don't even know what to do or how to do it, but God, I, I want to trust you with my today and my tomorrow. God, I want to fall more in love with you. Just please chase after me because I don't even know how. Like, just give that to God in this moment. show me how to love you with all my heart with all my soul, with all my strength and with all my mind, God with all I am I give myself to you and then I want to move in and just ask how, how do you move about your days in relationship to other people because if the world is our neighbor and the people is our neighbor then how do we move about our days in our, in our relationship to them <laughs> especially when they're, they're different from us, I mean different color, different views, different lifestyles beliefs Different passions, different ideas, different experiences. Some hate us. They want to kill us. They're still our neighbor. How do we move about in our relationship to them? 
Do we condemn them, judge them, ignore them, kick them, or do we love them? Period. End of deal. Some of us, that's a hard question because I can think of people that I've judged and I've thought that I'm better than even this week. Oh God, please break me from my pride. I am no better than any human alive. I'm just saved by your love and your grace. Maybe today in this place you need to ask forgiveness of someone in here because you think you're better than them. Oh God, maybe it's a phone call we need to make today to someone just saying, I'm sorry I've acted so proud around you. Whatever it may be, just pray in this moment that you would love your neighbor. P.S. the world at large. At all costs. The Samaritan, the enemy came by, gave everything he had to heal. Jesus has done the same. Will we copy that and do that to others? What kind of neighbor are you? his love do you know who he is God I pray in this place that we'll be real with you I pray that your Holy Spirit is moving in in every single one of us in here God, your word transforms. Today we hold out our hands and we ask you to transform our lives. We give you our faults knowing that that you have forgiven us of them. And we ask to run free in who you are, God. I pray if there's anyone in here that needs prayer, that they'd be bold enough to ask for that today, to to pray with someone. God, I pray if there's anyone in here that they don't know you, that they would come and talk to someone about this love. I'm going to ask us all to stand right now. Grant is over to your right. I'm going to, I'm going to be in the back. You know if, if you want to pray with someone or you want to talk to someone, I'm praying that God's working on your heart right now about that. And if so, don't leave here without doing so. We're going to move into a time of just worshiping God and, and who He is. You can do that multiple ways. We have our tithe over there. You can, you can do that. There's commitment cards on your chairs. You can write what God's doing in your heart. Ask, ask for prayer, whatever, and just put that in the offering basket as well. Um, you can worship God with these beautiful lyrics. Look into His face and say, God, thank you for saving me, for rescuing me. Pretty incredible what you've done for me. I pray that I can take this gift, this message, and share it to the world at large. So in this place, here's the challenge. Look into the face of your king and be honest with that.